Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He serves our country as a United States Marine. He has a brother who's a state trooper and another brother who's a state trooper who was killed in a line of duty. And he's working to raise awareness about mental health issues and wellness for law enforcement officers. He's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Pennsylvania, we have United States Marine Corps veteran Timothy Shea on the phone. Timothy, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today show. Thank you, Jay. It's an honor to be on. You are out of the Marine Corps. What are you doing now? Currently, I'm actually a quality control inspector in a biomedical manufacturing company in Pennsylvania. Well, what did you do in the Corps? Uh, in the Marine Corps, I was actually a airframe mechanic on the Huey and Cobra attack helicopters. Highly technical, and if, I'm no expert in the military, but all Marine Corps personnel, they may have specialty skills and training, but they're all infantry riflemen, and they're all prepared for combat at, at a moment's notice. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, that's basically the number one priority in the Marines is everybody has to qualify in the rifle range every year. You know, you're qualifying at 100 yards, 200 yards, 500 yards, and it's a consecutive thing year after year. Well, I want to thank you for your service, and I'm glad to have you on the show. You are not law enforcement. We'll explain why you're on the show in just a moment. But one of the things that a lot of people don't understand that aren't in law enforcement that there is a kinship between law enforcement and active duty military and veterans. And part of the reason why it's a very similar mission. But secondly, I think most importantly, is so many of our law enforcement officers across the United States are military veterans. I I was trained as a rookie policeman in Baltimore by a lot of Vietnam veterans. And we also had commanders and some real old timers who were Korean War veterans and they were some of the best police you could ever want to meet. They were very proficient in what they did. They're very good at working with the community and people might confuse a military mission with a law enforcement mission and they're two totally different things. Uh, Am I correct? Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. Um, Granted, they are two completely separate worlds, but a lot of the core values translate you know, from military into law enforcement, whether it's the integrity or, as you said, the precision and just 
the things of the work ethic and all of that is an easily translatable characteristic that, you know, you can move from side to side on either one of those. As we're sitting here talking, I'm thinking back and remembering a lot of people I worked with in, in the Baltimore Police Department. We had men and women who were Marine Corps veterans. We had Navy veterans. We had Army. We had Air Force. We had Coast Guard. We had uh, National Guardsmen. We had every branch you could imagine. Uh, we had some Special Forces people. One of the things they would tell me is that since I didn't come from a military background, I grew up in a Navy family, but I never served in the military, was that there was a mindset change that they had to go from being proactive in a military combat situation to reactive in law enforcement. And that would be a conversation that could take forever and ever and ever. And that's not what we're here to discuss. You were referred to us by Blue Help and Karen Solomon. And part of the reason we have you in the show, you're not in law enforcement, but you have a brother who is in, you have another brother who was a Delaware State trooper uh, who is killed in line of duty, Correct. Correct. That was uh, in July 18th of 2004. And what was his name? Uh, his name was Christopher Shea, uh, Corporal Christopher Shea. That was about 15 years ago almost, right? Yes, correct. Uh, and I don't think, all I say is this, from my experience with friends and brothers who were law enforcement who were killed in line of duty, it didn't really matter how, didn't matter what happened, and it doesn't matter how long ago it was, the sting, the pain, uh, the emotions are still there. I always tell people, it doesn't get easier, you just get more used to it. That's 100% accurate. I think that's the only way that you can word it is that the sting is always going to be there. The pain of losing a family member is always going to be there, but you kind of learn how to either struggle with it or you learn to adapt it and grow something from it. And I, I hate to say it in a way that sounds callous, but I almost had to learn to accept that these things happen. Uh, and not just with the, the death of friends uh, who killed in line of duty, but also the terrific and horrific things that we experience in law enforcement. I had to learn to accept that they they happen. They're part of my uh, my makeup, so to speak. So how do I have the best life possible regardless of what's occurred in the past? That, that's not really a question I know how to answer specifically. Um, that's sure quite all right. It's, it's more of a, a statement than a question. So you have a brother who is a, uh, I believe, a Delaware State Trooper right now? Correct. Yeah, he's been down in Delaware for about seven or eight years. And uh, were you both, uh, your brother who's uh, serving now, and you, were you adults when your other brothers killed in line of duty? Uh, we were. I was actually, I just turned 18 two weeks before uh, he was killed. And how about your brother who's a trooper now? Uh, he was about 19, 20 years old. Did that motivate him to go into law enforcement? I don't think it necessarily motivated him, but I kind of think it gave him a better look on what that career field offers. You know, a lot of times when you're looking at recruiting videos or you're going through your college counselors trying to pick majors and things like that, you only get the glamorous side of things. Right. Um, so I think just having a realistic look on the profession kind of just made him realize that that's actually where he wanted to be even more. Before we go into more details about your brother's cut in line of duty, uh, there's some things you're doing that are pretty phenomenal. And I'm not a runner. I gave up running a long time ago. You're doing some running events to raise awareness for mental health and wellness and post-traumatic stress disorder, particularly when it refers to law enforcement officers. Am I correct? Correct. So this all started about uh, the end, the third quarter in 2018. Um, 
I've always been a runner for the past couple of years. We've had, in my family, we've been running a local 5K race, which we raise funds to give out scholarships in my fallen brother's name at our local high school. Um, so I've kind of just integrated that and then grown those ideas to wanting to find a way that I can actually make a bigger difference in the law enforcement community. Looking at things, line of duty deaths are things that are always going to happen. Um, we're never going to live in a perfect world, and it's things as a civilian like myself that I can't control and I can't change anything like that. But then finding the side of law enforcement where I see that these men and women are suffering through the same men mental anguishes that we had in the military, and you're seeing the suicide epidemic that's never talked about, um, where you're actually losing more members on the force through suicide than you are through the line of duty. I kind of taken it upon myself as a civilian to try to be the advocate for those men and women, just to tell them that we are here as a community, we will support you, and you know, trying to take the stigma away from them seeking help. I seem to think, uh, I'll be willing to venture a guess, that you are not in the minority. There's a lot more people that are very pro and very supportive of law enforcement. They may not understand everything that's going on. And, and like your family, they may not understand what it's like to comprehend and deal with a death of a loved one in the line of duty. Uh, I applaud you for doing it. A lot of people may not even think about it. I think you're in a position where being what you've been through and being that you have a brother who serves in, in the state police now and being what you've gone through in the United States Marine Corps, you are uniquely qualified to talk about a lot of these things and to say, hey, we need as a community to start doing things to help. We're going to talk more about that in just a few moments. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors, just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-589-1848 800-589-1848 800-589-1848 that's 800 800- 589-1848. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. 
Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-280-9435-800-280-9435-800-280-9435. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-9435. Listen, my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction around. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Back to our conversation with Timothy Shea. Timothy is a United States Marine Corps veteran. Uh, he's also the brother of a Delaware State Trooper, and also the brother of a Delaware State Trooper who was kid on line of duty uh, back in, I believe it was 2004, and your brother's name that was killed on duty was uh, Christopher Michael Shea. It was July 18, 2004. Uh, tell us the best you can what happened. Uh, well, my brother was, I believe he was working the overnight shift on some overtime transporting um, a prisoner from one location to another location in Delaware. Uh, he was only a few miles from home. Gets a call from dispatch saying that there was a motor vehicle accident where a vehicle ruined another vehicle. Um, I don't know if you know anything about Delaware highways, but Route 1 in Delaware is kind of a smaller highway, but they have like those little roundabouts that you can like pull a U-turn and, you know, get back going northbound or southbound, whichever way you need to go. So when he was doing that, he decided to take the call because he was on his way home and nobody realized that the vehicle that was involved in the accident, blew out both of their headlights, and when he pulled a U-turn, he was now going the wrong way on the highway, and then his cruiser ended up going head-on into this vehicle at high speed. And this was a vehicle that was wanted for basically a hit-and-run? Correct. And a drunk driver? Yes. Um, I think that was released later on after uh, the driver was also uh, deceased from that accident. I believe uh, once the toxicology reports came back that his alcohol limit was very high. And this is back in 2004. It was really a blink of the eye, blink of an eye ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago. The reality is 15 years ago. 
But I remember as a kid, somewhere in my 20s, I should say, uh, we started getting a big, serious push in the United States about ending drunk driving. And it was always told, always, don't, if you're going to drink, don't drive. If you're going to drive, don't drink. Uh, that was the way to be safe. And it's a message that's been hammered home since at least the 1980s, as far as I can recall. And yet, even with your brother's death due to a drunk driver, and it's still happening daily across the United States. Absolutely. Um, I know in the military, it was a big epidemic of guys getting caught drunk driving on the weekends or on liberties and things. So even our local police department in North Carolina kind of set out a thing for us Marines that all we had to do was call them, show them our keys, and hand them to them. And they'd drive us home so we don't have to worry about a taxi. We don't have to worry about you know, having money to pay for the ferry. And it was, everybody seemed to be trying to do so hard to stop something so catastrophic, but yet, as you're saying, it doesn't seem like it's getting any less. No, and it just, we, we don't seem to be very effective at getting the message through. And that could say the same for suicide and other issues with law enforcement and military veterans, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on. So this is July 18, 2004. Your brother, Christopher, was working overnight shift. Did someone show up at your house? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, I was currently living with my parents in Upper New Jersey, and they actually sent the New Jersey State Police team knocking on our door at about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to break the news to my parents. And did you have any idea at that point what was going on when you saw the New Jersey State trooper there? Um. Not originally at first, um, because me and my brother actually shared a bedroom in the basement of the house that didn't have any windows. Um, so we, you know, just hearing voices in the middle of the night or middle of the morning. Um, it was kind of almost a, a reoccurring theme in our house, because my father actually suffers from type 1 diabetes. And there was a bunch of years in my childhood where he just couldn't have his blood sugar on, under control. So, you know, we'd have ambulances there trying to get him back on his feet. And things. So it was kind of something that, I don't want to say we were used to it, but it wasn't an alarming feeling to hear a cop or EMTs or anybody at our house. At what point did you realize it was not one of those routine medical calls? Probably when I heard my mother shriek yeah. would be the moment. Yeah, I don't know. And I've had many guests on this show uh, that are spouses of law enforcement officers killed in line of duty. Uh, and they all talk about the notification and they talk about the funeral. They talk about everything else. And even with all the ones I experienced on the job and all those guests, I still don't know what to say. And I feel always inadequate when I talk to someone who's been through this. And it's partly because I think deep down inside, I'm fearful I'm going to say the wrong thing. Um, so if I, if I ask you a question that seems totally whacked out, uh, please just let me know. It's something you can't talk about. Um, your mom, your dad, Obviously, you and your brother, uh, that must have been just a devastating, totally unexpected shock to you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, for something like that, growing up in a small town, it's, it's really only the things that you see in the movies. You know, you see, you'll see the, the fire department or the police captains going to these houses. And, you know, all these things that, you know, they're showing them, but you don't ever really realize that within an immediate notice that that could be at your door at that time doing the exact same thing. Um, so it, it's kind of just a shock to reality um, for my parents. How how they were able to handle it to me was what gives me a lot of the strength because my parents actually had eight children and Chris was the third one that they had to bury. So knowing that they've kind of already been through this 
kind of just gave us a little bit of uplifting feeling that like we're just going to get through it as a family. Wow, that's uh, heavy duty stuff. My wife comes from a family of nine children uh, from Connecticut, and your last name Shay. Uh, I'm going to assume, like me, you've got a lot of Irish in you. Absolutely. Yeah. So big families from Irish people is is not unusual. I come, you know, I have four sisters. So, but to have that kind of trauma with not one, not two, but three of your children. I, I don't know how your parents did it. It's strong people, I guess. I, they, they've been together. They actually are going on their 50th wedding anniversary this year. So even just to see that, that they've been able to tackle so much trauma in their lives and then also tackle it and still remain intact as a couple is a thing that you don't really see too often anymore. And please, when you do talk to your mom and dad, uh, tell them that there is an invitation if they ever want to come on the show and talk about what they've been through and talk about Christopher. I welcome them anytime. When you talk about the military, I remember seeing a lot of movies and I've heard stories uh, where there's the death notification that a soldier, a Marine, a sailor is killed in action and uh, a chaplain and an officer usually shows up at their door. Um, and it's a very... It's a very stereotypical scene that's done in a lot of movies. And when we have our servicemen and women serving overseas, we always know that's a possibility. And I'm sure you knew it was a possibility for you as well. Was that something that the back of your mind or the top of your mind when you were serving overseas? Um, there was. Uh, I, was I wasn't in the line of fire or anything like that. I was in hand-to-hand combat, but... Being that I was such a close unit for air support for the infantry guys, that it absolutely it always was a possibility. Um, and I guess it's just while you're in those actions of doing it, it's kind of something that just goes in the back burner. You don't really think about it, but then it's when you have that downtime when you know something does happen, and then you can't actually call home. You just have to shut down all the phone lines, all the internet lines, until the next of kins of another service member is notified. It's just it kind of puts it all in a perspective for that because knowing that your family might see it on the news, like, oh, I know that's who my son is. He's on that base. Oh, there's a service member killed. Like, who was it? Like, is it us? Is it not us? So it's, you know, just a, a gut feeling, I guess, that's kind of sour. The realistic threat of violence to our servicemen and women overseas in combat zones, whether they're in combat or they're on base performing support services, mechanical work, whatever it might be. There's always incoming mortars, all those other things. Uh, we expect the kind of hostility. We expect the kind of violence. And we expect the injuries and death that quite often comes from serving overseas. But a lot of Americans don't seem to comprehend that there's a very similar, very real, same, almost same level of violence and trauma and injury and death that falls upon our first responders here in the United States from people from their own communities. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a few moments. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. 
Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Driving means freedom, exploration, fun, pride, flexibility, protection, friendship, independence. Distracted driving means danger, recklessness, irresponsible, chaos, police, devastation, injury, death. Safe driving means staying alert and staying alive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Back to our conversation with Timothy Shea. Timothy is a United States Marine Corps veteran, also from a law enforcement family. His brother is a Delaware State Trooper. What is your brother's name who serves in the state police now? Uh, Andrew Shea. Andrew Shea, and you also have another brother, Christopher Shea, who's a Delaware State Trooper who was killed in the line of duty by a drunk driver fleeing a hit-and-run scene back July 18, 2004. Uh, And before I go further, this is where it's really awkward. I say from the bottom of my heart, my sincere condolences to you and your family. Uh, And there's nothing you say that can make it better. There's nothing I can say that will adequately express how I feel about it. Uh, It's just... I'm at a loss for words when we talk about these things. So please pardon my awkwardness when we have this conversation. The brief rehab uh, from ODMP, uh, his brother Christopher Shea was on patrol approximately 2 o'clock in the morning traveling southbound on State Route 1 near Route 206 outside Milford. His patrol car was struck head-on by a vehicle traveling north in southbound lanes 
operated by an intoxicated driver that was fleeing the scene of a hit-and-run accident. Both he and the driver of the vehicle were killed. And your brother, Christopher, he was how old when he was killed? I believe he was 32 years old. And I see in the notes that he was assigned to Troop 7 and survived by his wife, son, daughter, and, of course, your mom and dad. Absolutely. And hopefully his wife, son, and daughter are doing okay. They, I believe they're doing as well as they can be. We're still very close to them as a family. Um, his son actually is about to graduate from Spring State Military Academy down in Delaware and then go into college. And his daughter's, you know, killing it in high school and, and doing a lot of good things. That's phenomenal. And please expend, extend to them also the invitation. They're more than welcome to come on the Law Enforcement Show to talk about their experiences. You were referred to us by Karen Solomon, one of the one of my favorite people. Project Blue Help, and uh, their main mission, and I'm going to paraphrase it, she'd probably have my scalp because I'm going to say it wrong, uh, is to honor those who have died as a result of suicide, to educate, and to work on preventing law enforcement suicides. Uh, they're a very active group. I've had her on the show a couple times. Check out past episodes. She's a great person doing great things, and uh, other people in the organization are phenomenal as well. And she has never let me down when she said, hey, go talk with someone. And she referred me to you. Uh, and one of the things she said is that you're, you're doing some running events. And we talked about it briefly earlier on the show. Tell us what you're doing. So basically, I'm taking my love of extreme distance running. And by extreme, I mean I'm doing 50Ks. I'm looking at doing a 50-mile trail marathon, 100 miles. Um, just things that are a little bit outside the norm of your neighborhood running events. I'm using that, and I'm trying to use my experience of knowing what it's like to lose an officer in my family, as well as also battling my own mental illness from the military. So I'm kind of combining both of those into a world to be an advocate for law enforcement, mental health issues, and just getting the public to look at me because I'm doing this crazy event, and then once the spotlight's on me, just pushing it off onto the ones that it actually matters to is these families that are suffering. It's these other organizations whose missions align with mine, like Karen at Blue Help, where they're, you know, they have the resources to provide the help that these officers may or may not need. And I'm trying to just be the catalyst in the community to say, we're here, you know, we want to support you, and, you know, like, let's do this together. That's phenomenal that you're doing that. Is uh, Are you just raising awareness? Or are you trying to raise funds also? Uh, I'm actually raising awareness as well as fundraising. Um, I, I fundraise for usually different charities every time I do an event. Um, this year, I'm solely putting all of my efforts to Blue Help, um, just because their mission kind of hits home to me really hard with the, with the mental health. and It's something that I didn't even know was an issue in law enforcement. But now that I know it's an issue, it makes sense that it's there. So if people want to get more information, they should probably go to Project Blue Help's website. Is that uh, the best way to get more details? If they can go to Project Blue Help's website, which is bluehelp.org, and that'll give you information on what Karen and her team, all the amazing things they're doing. But then I also have my own nonprofit website, which is just called backthebluerunning.com. And then I'm using that to, you know, I, I write articles on my blog about yeah, you know, just running-related things, tips, tricks, but then I'm also writing articles of current issues that are in law enforcement, whether it be law enforcement suicide or if it's 
you know, the law enforcement retention rate, how that's dropping, and the recruiting isn't where that they actually need it to be. And then I'll have events up there. And then I also actually sell Thin Blue Line Paracord merchandise that I hand make myself, you know, which all that money will just go back into either programs that I'm running or it'll just go to these charities that are specifically selected. And the website address again is? BackTheBlueRunning.com. First of all, any guy who runs 50K, I think there's something really wrong with him. Because <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, unless someone was chasing me with a gun or I was chasing them with a gun, uh, my running days, even when I was young and in shape, I hated running. Absolutely. I, I actually hated myself as well. It's just, for me, um, it was in the summer of 2018, I was actually diagnosed with PTSD myself. And that's when I really started getting into the therapy of things and then just finding running for me was a really big outlet, especially going these far distances where it wasn't just my mind and my head trying to tell me to stop. It was like my body was literally breaking down to the point where now the only thing that I have to control is my mind. And then it's kind of just helped me get a grasp around like my own feelings and being more aware with my own situation that's going on and then just bringing self-awareness. One of the things I found personally for me is when I'm working out, it's almost therapeutic in a way where it involves meditation, just focusing on doing the next repetition and breathing. Uh, makes it difficult for my mind to dwell on things that come up from the past uh, and some of the traumas. And what happens is, and this is just for me, when my mind is not occupied, uh, it tends to go, my brain tends to bring up old stuff and that's where the, the cycle starts. So I guess I'm getting at is I can understand what running does, just putting one foot in front of the other and focusing on uh, this next mile, this next whatever, this breathing, whatever I got to do, it prevents me from sitting there thinking about these other things. My mind, my brain just can't do both at the same time. Absolutely. And I think from what I believe you're getting at too is that when it, when it brings up all those old thoughts and, and things that when you're in that moment and you're concentrating on your breath and you're going through the rhythmic motions of any kind of workout, it, it puts your body in a naturally relaxed state to where now you can look back on some stressful situations and then look at them on, you know, in a, in a situation where you're, you're in a relaxed environment and you can feel relaxed and then process it and then see you know, where your triggers were, where they were, and then you know, where things started becoming more and more stressful and then figure out how to handle it the next time. Was someone suggesting you start doing distance running or they recommend other working out? I know that running and exercising is a big part of the Marine Corps life and military life, but was a therapist or a psychologist who said, hey, you got to exercise? They, they always promote exercise. The therapist that I have is really good. She was promoting exercise and even things like yoga and stretching. Just She was pushing all of those things before they were even trying to push medications, which was right along the lines that I was trying to go because I, I try to avoid all the chemicals and all those things that go into my body. And then it was just running. I knew that it made me feel good when I was done with it. And then just going longer and longer and longer is just something that I'm growing myself. And that's the part where I guess I, I, I imagine you running because they say you should do that. You should do some exercise. You should do these things that, that a lot of us balked at when it was first recommended. And then at some point you must have said, hey, 
this is working. Let me see if I can do two miles. Let me see if I can do five miles. Let me see if I can do 10 miles, whatever it might be. And from there, you have a mission that involves running. We're going to talk more with Timothy Shea about what he's doing, why he's doing it. And this is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 and get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-589-1848 800-589-1848 800-589-1848 that's 800-589-1848 Return your conversation with Timothy Shea. Timothy is a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, he's also a member of a law enforcement family. His brother is a Delaware State Trooper. He has another brother, Christopher, who's a Delaware State Trooper's kid on line of duty uh, back in 2004, I believe it was. And you were talking earlier about raising awareness and, and helping with Project Blue Help with your running to raise awareness and raise money for mental health wellness for law enforcement officers, suicide prevention, which I think is phenomenal. You're doing that. One of the things Thank you, you did mention that is you were diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder uh, at some point. And I'd like to talk about that. First of all, I, I think we owe in law enforcement in particular, a huge debt of gratitude to our military men and women uh, and their struggles throughout the you know 50s, 60s, and 70s in particular, as they came home battling what's now called post-traumatic stress disorder, and is moving on to call post-traumatic stress injury or illness. If it wasn't for their perseverance and their struggles, we wouldn't have the progress we have today. And for those who are struggling or who will be struggling in the future, I just want people to realize that there is a host of treatments now that life is so much better 
It's so much more manageable. And it's done much quicker than it ever was in the 70s or 80s. So your experience, what what basically happened? Uh, for me, it I can't attribute anything to one specific traumatic event, whether it's something from my childhood, losing a few siblings, or if it's you know deploying into a war zone with the Marines. It's kind of everything is just one big cloud for me. But I did notice, and I had family members and close friends tell me once I was discharged out of the military that you know my anger fuse was a lot shorter and I was always irrational and then if I had alcohol that got involved like things would just spiral out of control and it would feel like the whole entire world is ganging up on me or everything that was going wrong everybody was blaming on me so it's kind of like it, it was just this this whirlwind of problems that were just felt like they were coming crashing down. And that's not uncommon for many people I've talked to. Extreme anger problems, irritability, problems sleeping, not being able to sleep or relax without medicating with alcohol. And throwing alcohol on top of this quite often is like throwing gasoline on a fire. It's It may work at the very beginning, but man alive, does it create a host of problems for people. And that's 100% correct. Uh, every time, you know, the, the first few drinks would kind of take the edge off, but then it would be the 5, the 6, the 10, the 15 after that, that just, you know, not realizing that alcohol is actually a downer, that it's just going to suck you into the hole farther and farther. And one of the things, and I can't speak from your experience, but from many of the law enforcement people I've talked to and from some of my experiences, is that for the law enforcement people, there is still a great deal of hesitation about asking for help say i'm struggling and quite often where the problems wind up being diagnosed first is in the family and the relationships they start having domestic problems and marriages start failing and all these other things and that's very similar with our military people as well but the military seems to be far more proactive about Guys and gals reaching out saying, hey, I'm struggling. I need some help. Whereas our law enforcement people just seem to be so hesitant to do that. Yeah, and that's a very strange situation to be in. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's almost like law enforcement seems to be five or ten years behind the curve of getting on top of this. Right? Like it's five years ago, I'm not even sure if this is a conversation in law enforcement, but it's where I was picking up steam in Congress for veterans and the VA health care and, and things all those sorts, but it's just law enforcement. It's just been, I guess, this dark shadow. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, because guys are getting out of the military after four years or eight or 12 years, and then law enforcement officers, they're just doing the same thing day in and day out for years on end, where, you know, there there is no end in sight until they hit that, you know, 25, 30-year retirement mark. Uh, you know, there's, it's really a statistic that I'm not sure if anybody has the answer to. Right. And I do know a lot of retirees that when they retire, all of a sudden, what used to work and what last bit of coping skills they had was, you know, the camaraderie of people they worked with. And when that's gone, they're left with idle time and idle hands and they start thinking. And a suicide rate for our retire law enforcement people is, and it's not reported hardly at all. It's even worse than active duty law enforcement but there's rumors and speculations and estimates that it's extremely high, twice as much as active. Absolutely, and I, I believe I saw that statistic on the Blue Helps website that they've been had since 2006 through. It seems like the majority, and this is just an arbitrary percentage, but somewhere between 70 and 80% of the suicides are the officers that have 
in their late 40s or early 50s. So it's, it's coming in to where it's, a, you know, the tail end of their career where maybe they're no longer on patrol and now they're in the office settling. And, you know, like you're saying, the idle hands, the idle minds, like something's, something's going to break eventually. Well, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. And I've also, yeah, I get and I understand that you're motivated to some degree based on the service of your brothers, the one who's killed in line of duty and the one who's still active as far as law enforcement goes. But a lot of people from the outside wouldn't even consider uh, what happens to our law enforcement. When I say law enforcement, let me clarify that. For those listening, our first responders, our firefighters are struggling, our EMTs, EMS are struggling, our police officers, our deputies, our corrections officers, and dispatchers, they're all going through this. Uh, and it is a, a problem, and it has been a problem for back when I was a rookie, it was a problem. It just was never talked about back then. At least we are talking about it now. So for you to be involved from your point of view, I applaud it. And do people ever ask you, why are you doing this? They do. I actually get that question all the time. And I, I like to give the answer saying that I don't understand either world perfectly, whether that be the military. I have my own experiences there, and then I have my family experiences on the side of law enforcement. But I feel that I have the skill set to be able to take something that a civilian might want to say to a law enforcement officer, but they don't really know how to do it, and then just be able to help them translate it into words that both of them can comprehend and both of them can understand. If someone were to ask you, look, I want to show support to law, our local law enforcement, uh, what would you recommend they do? Just re- reaching out and, and saying thank you a lot of times and seems like it's the best thing, and that's the answer that I get from law enforcement officers, and I ask them specifically, you know, just take care of your neighbor, just, you know, be nice and all that stuff. But I don't actually know if I believe that specific answer. Um, you know, you can buy a cup of coffee in the line at the coffee shop. You can, you know, do other things. But I think just the biggest thing is letting them know that you see them and that you appreciate them. Like, just, just straight tell them those exact words. Like, I see what you're doing for my community, and we really do appreciate it. Without you, like, this wouldn't be what it is. I always tell people, don't make a big deal out of it wave with all your fingers not just one that's a that's a good one uh another one is thank you when people say thank you to me and I, i'll be honest with you, they say thank you now far more often than i've been retired than ever when i was working on the job and i feel uncomfortable i don't know what to say i always want to say like you know it wasn't a big deal it, and the proper thing to do is to just say you're welcome and it seems so hard to say that it does and it's the same experience coming from the military side where you know, people always say thank you for your service, and for many years I didn't know what to say back to them, so I would say thank you back to them, which is kind of counterintuitive, but it's kind of now I'm thanking them for you know actually showing their support. Yeah. So it kind of like draws the line a little bit farther. And I don't think I'll ever be quite comfortable with it, but it, it's, it is nice to hear. So you're doing fundraising, you're doing things, you're doing these runs to raise awareness for uh, – suicide prevention and mental health wellness for law enforcement where can people get more details about what you're doing they can go to the website www.backthebluerunning.com and then on that website there's a a slew of pages and tabs on different activities that we're doing and then if they want to donate to my charity specifically they can do that through the donations page Um, but it'll also show links for the charities that i'm supporting if they would prefer to donate directly to those as well 
So it gives people lots of options. And one of the groups you're working with is Project Blue Help. What is their website? One more time. Is bluehelp.org, O-R-G. And in case people forget, one last time, what is your website? www.backthebluerunning.com. Timothy Shea, thanks so much for your service in the Marine Corps. I want to thank you so much for what you're doing uh, to help raise awareness and raise money. Uh, again, thank your family for all they do, and uh, thank your brothers, the state trooper, and also please extend our warmest invitation to your family, whoever want to come on the Law Enforcement Space Show to be a guest to talk about uh, the death of your brother, Christopher. Thanks so much for being on the show. Very much appreciated. And thank you, Jay, for the time. If you want to tell your story, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya. Thank you.